When should you take your pension? What types of things should you think about when it comes to deciding between a lump sum or monthly annuity payment? Risk protection, for example. And how do you work your pension into your overall retirement plan? Today on Your Money, Your Wealth podcast number 430, Joe and Big Al spitball on pension options for retirement and saving to a taxable account when you're concerned about required minimum distributions or RMDs. Get answers to your money questions. Visit yourmoneyyourwealth.com and click Ask Joe and Big Al on air to send those questions in as a voice message or an email. I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. We got Rose from California right in. She goes, hi, Your Money, Your Wealth friends or YMYW friends. I love the podcast and I've been listening weekly for a couple of years. My question is on how to take my pension upon early retirement at 62 next year. Should I take the lump sum of 269,000 or the monthly annuity of $1,800 per life offered by my employer's retirement plan? This thing is like three pages long. How many questions does she have here? Well, Not I think- quite three pages. All right, well, so I'm going to keep I, reading or are we going to get lost in the shuffle here? No, I, I think you have to keep reading because All the right. details will help us answer the first question. Got it. As you can tell, Alan is a little bit more prepared than I am. <laughs> you uh, don't say. That never happens. Right. <laughs> He's drinking Mai Tais in Hawaii. Well, I'm actually you know, keeping the company afloat here. Well, then I better get prepared if I've had a couple of Mai Tais in me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Let's see. Take the lumps. Okay, 269 or 1800. All right, write that down, Alan. Offered by my employer. I have an additional pension that will give me $750 per month at 62, but it goes up to $1500 a month if I take it at age 70. So it doubles. Uh should I take it now or wait? Also, should I use pre-tax or post-tax monies to cover other expenses from age 62 to 70? I'll need about $3,500 to $4,000 gross per month. All right. My inclination is to take the $1,800 per month rather than the lump sum and wait to take the other pension at $70 at $1,500 per month. We have plenty of savings, no debt, and no extravagant spending. If I take the $1,800, I'll have to dip into my savings of $2,200 per month to cover expenses until age 70. Now, the other pension in Social Security will take over. That is where I need to know if I should take from the IRA or post-tax. I expect to live into my 90s because my parents live into the 90s, and I'm very healthy. I can't know when I'm going to die, but I'm betting that I'll be in my late 80s or 90s. If that's the case, it seems like the $1,800 a month is a better deal. And I will have at least some Sure, and steady income until I'm 70, no matter what the markets do. Other assets and income. Husband will be 65 next year and plans to continue to work until 70. Cut back a couple days a week for about $65,000 per year, which is more than cover his expenses to then. He loves his job. At 70, his Social Security is $3,500 per month for me and $4,500 per month for him. Uh, We have... $2 $2 million saved in post-tax brokerage accounts and cash accounts, we will likely inherit another million dollars in the next couple of years. I have about 700 in my IRA. Husband has about seven in his. After listening to your show, we decided to do Roth IRA conversions at least half of our IRA amounts over the years until our RMDs kick in. Thanks for the advice on that. 
Here's the details. I drive a 2019 Chevy Bolt. My husband drives a 2015 Volkswagen e-Golf, replacing it this year. Home is paid for. We have no debt. We are not extravagant. Love finding bargains. Keeping expenses low. Oh, I have a moderately priced glass of Pinot every night with dinner. My husband has an occasional bourbon and joining with wine. All right. Nice little dinner atmosphere there. Sure, I can picture it. Sure can. Because we have a child with disabilities, we will need to leave her money in a special needs trust after we pass away. We have another independent adult child. We would like to leave substantial amount of money to each of our children, if possible, so that at least uh, they do not have financial worries. That's it. What do you do? Thanks for the advice. Sincerely, Rose from California. All right. Rose, we don't give advice on this show. That's one thing we do not do. Right. We do spit advice. Non spitballs. We have we have a chat and uh, spitball a little bit. Yeah, so, let's just pour a little glass. I'm going to have a glass of bourbon. You know. Okay, I'll pour another mai tai. Yeah, and then she can have a little pinot. <laughs> we can kind of just spitball this a little bit. I like it. I guess we go back to the first part of this, where her question was: Should she take the lump sum of two sixty nine or the eighteen hundred dollars? per month for per life for the annuity so joe i did i did a little math she's 62 so 90 so 28 years yeah so i did i did 25 and 30 years just as a point of reference Mm -hmm. so if she lives 25 years the rate of return 6.4 percent if she lives 30 years it's 7.1 percent those seem like pretty good rates to me but something always to consider on a lump sum is it's going to take 12 and a half years just to get her money back Right. So you always have to think about that. I mean, that, that's always one thought is, am I going to outlive the payback period? Right. In other words, if you take the $1,800 a month, it'll take you for 12 and a half years to get what the lump sum would have been. Right. In other words, if you die before that, it's going to be lower amount. And we don't know if there's a survivor benefit. That's not a bad idea to have a survivor benefit for a spouse, although maybe it's not needed because there's so many other assets. But I think based upon those rates of return, I would probably take the um, annuity. I take the monthly payment, I think. Well, 100% agree with you because here's her goal is they like bargains. Yeah. They don't spend any money and they want to leave a legacy. They have a special needs child that they want to make sure that is taken care of. They have another child that they want to leave a substantial amount to. They have a few million dollars sitting in liquid assets. A lot of it is after-tax monies. They're going to receive another inheritance. So that's $3 million outside. So she needs $35,000, $4,000 a month. So yeah, I would take the 1800 So that cuts that in half. So now they need a few thousand dollars a month from the overall portfolio. You know, So they just got to bridge the gap to Social Security in, or until her other pension pulls in. I would push her other pension uh, too, because I mean, here's the key. We don't know when she's going to die, but she has longevity in the family. So in the nineties, you always want to play the annuity card because then that's a longevity play. It's, It's basically what you're doing is buying longevity insurance. So if you have longer life expectancy, the numbers usually will play out. The annuity will be in your favor. If you live a normal life expectancy, the numbers almost come out identical. I mean, the the actuaries are pretty smart that put this stuff together. So they know that some people are going to live a long time. Some people are going to die a little prematurely. And so if you live until normal life expectancy, it's kind of, you know, whatever you want to do. You know, you're probably going to get maybe a 4% rate of internal rate of return. So do you take the money and you invest it on your own? Or do you, 
you know, get a guaranteed rate of return via through the employer. I mean, those are my two quick thoughts in regards to the fixed income, because they don't have to touch a ton of this money that can continue to compound for the kids if that's what they really want. Yeah, totally agree. And then they've got $2 million already in outside of retirement. I would actually, I would actually live off of that. That extra $2,200 that uh, they need, I live off of that. And convert. Uh, and, and convert. You got what, 1.4 million between two IRAs, husband, wife, I would just be converting converting that like crazy because your fixed income is so high, you're going to be in a high bracket. And so RMDs are just going to compound the problem. So that that's what I would do. I would just live off the non-qual, convert uh, and use the non-qual to help pay the tax. You get a lot more money in a Roth IRA. You keep your taxes lower. And then, you know, the kids, uh, when they inherit it, it's tax-free to them. So that's that's what I would do. I but, think something, something else, Joe, I might consider is, um, I don't know if I do this or not, but at least consider taking her social security benefit a little bit earlier since he's got such a big one. You know, you want to probably at least have the higher benefit go to age 70 because the survivor rules. And so maybe that could bridge the gap a little bit, but that would cut into your Roth conversion strategy if you did that. So one of the things that she said, she goes, after listening to your show, we have decided to do Roth IRA conversions for at least half of the IRA amount. That's not the right strategy. You want to go to a certain tax bracket. Agreed. And so let's say that they have, how much will they have in social security benefits roughly? Well, if they wait till age 35. Yeah, it's it's about what, 8,000 a month between the two of them if they wait till age 70. And then she's got the two pensions that is going to be, she's going to have what, $130,000 of fixed income? Yeah, more than that even. Yeah. So let's say at age 72, you got 1.4. She's 62 now. That will double in 10 years. Correct. So now you got $3 million. So you're going to have 120000 roughly RMD. Right. So on top of your hundred and twenty or hundred and fifty thousand dollar fixed income, you're gonna be in the twenty-five or twenty-eight percent tax bracket. Yeah, maybe even subject to alternative minimum tax if that comes back. Because Rose is in California and that's a high, highly taxed state. So yeah, I would be converting uh, potentially to the, to the, to the top the of the twenty-four. Yeah. yeah. So it's not half of your IRA. You want to convert to the top of let's say either the twenty-two or the twenty-four percent tax bracket. So the top of the 24% tax bracket is what? Roughly 300 some odd thousand bucks? Yeah, like 340-ish. So let's say your husband has income of 65. You're going to have your pensions and things like that. She could convert a few hundred thousand dollars a year. Maybe you go to the 22 and see what happens with tax rates over the next, let's say, three or four years. They'll still get several hundred thousand dollars out of it. Yeah, I'm just looking here. The top of the 22% bracket is 190,000 for married filing joint, and 24% bracket is 364. So it's a it's a pretty big bracket. Realize that in 2026 we revert back to the older rates and alternative minimum tax, and the tax rates will be higher unless they change it, which they very likely could. But th that's the rules that we have right now. So especially, Rose, given your situation, I think I would sort of try to front load some of these Roth conversions now while you know what the rates are and they're good rates. All right. Thanks, Rose. See at a glance all the numbers that affect your financial strategies. This year's tax brackets and capital gains tax rates, retirement plan contribution limits, tax on Social Security, Medicare premiums, and all the current credits, deductions, exemptions, distributions, and exclusions when you download the 2023 Key Financial Data Guide from the podcast show notes. 
One YMYW listener recently said that basically, this guide alone is worth the price of admission. In other words, it's priceless. To download the 2023 Key Financial Data Guide, to ask Joe and Big Al your money questions, and to share YMYW with your friends, just click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app. Go to the show notes. You'll see all of that just before the episode transcript. Got John Doe from Seattle, Washington, writes in. Hello, team. Love your show. My drink of choice is little Dr. Pepper, and we have a not very smart but very affectionate Labrador. I drive a 15-year-old Toyota Camry because I'm the most boring white guy around. Oh. Well, it's not a minivan. Yeah. (laughs) My wife, Jane, and I are 40 years old. We earn $300,000 per year and expect to work another 20 years. And spent one hundred twenty thousand dollars per year in retirement. Well, he's forty years old. When does he want to retire? We expect to retire in another twenty years and spend one hundred twenty grand. He knows what he's going to spend. Okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's, what, that's what you asked for, right? Got it. I did Sorry. ask for that, and he delivered. Here you go. All right, John. We have around five hundred thousand dollars in pre-tax four hundred one k, thirty thousand in Roth IRAs, and fifty thousand in HSAs. We pay for healthcare out of pocket, and we'll use HSE. H, uh, the HSA is a retirement account. We have an additional 40000 in cash and next to nothing in non-retirement account except for the cash. All investments are 100% in stock. We are maxing out our 401k, HSA, and Roth IRAs via backdoor conversions. Each year, we do not have the capacity to save beyond that currently, but may be able to regrow arms and legs after funding our daughter's education. This guy ain't boring. It's fun. It's witty. I like it. Right. His college costs an arm and a leg. Yes, sir. He's going to grow them back. My expectation is that with our continued contributions, employer match and non-elective employer contributions, that our pre-tax 401k balances will grow at about two and a half to three and a half million in the next 20 years. I'm concerned about future required minimum distributions, though we would not get a tax deduction for our savings outside of 401ks we would be able to sell long-term appreciated stock in the 0% tax bracket for about 15 years between retirement and RMDs or any low-income year in the future. Should I reduce my 401k contributions and start saving in a taxable account? What say you, Big Al? Hmm. Well, I do like the tax diversification of having some Roth money, some IRA 401k money, and some non-qualified. But given the choice, if I have the choice or the option, I would always rather save in a Roth IRA, especially if I'm going to retire at 60. I'd rather save in a Roth IRA than outside of a retirement account because all that growth we know is going to be tax-free. Whereas if you save it outside of any retirement, you're going to be subject to capital gains, which albeit it's a good rate. I like that. But um, I like the Roth, especially if you're 40 and going to retire at 60, because by the time you get to age 60, then those funds will be fully available. So that's what I would do. John, let me clarify. I would ask your employer if you have a 401k Roth option and go there because he's maxing all of his plans out, right? He's already maxing out the Roth IRAs. He's doing the backdoor Roth um, conversions. He's he's maxing out the HSAs and they're maxing out their 401ks. So I would look to see, is there a Roth component in the Roth 401k and max the Roth component out versus going into a pre or an after-tax brokerage account. 
Yeah, it's the same same tax impact. It's just you get that money in the Roth, which growth is tax free, and so that yeah, that's definitely the way to go. I, and Joe, I would say most plans now have a have a Roth option. Maybe not all, but it seems like most plans do. Yeah, but if he doesn't, then what do you do? I think I still go pre tax at least for a couple more years. He's got twenty years. He's forty. A lot of things can happen. Yeah, Let's see if he changes jobs. He can roll the 401k out. Then he could do Roth conversions to do some tax diversification there as well. So I would continue to fund the 401k, the Roth IRAs, the HSAs. I wouldn't change that in because he's in a pretty high tax bracket to go in a brokerage account. It's for savings. If he has a Roth option, I would switch to Roth, but I would wait a couple of years to open up a brokerage account. I think, I don't know. I'm just kind of totally freeballing this. Yeah, the the only reason spitballing the well spitballing the only reason I would uh, actually uh, put the money into a non qualified brokerage account instead of a Roth option in the four hundred one k is if I had a need for the funds in the next few years, right? Like like let's say I want to upgrade my house or you know or or whatever, right? If you need access to that money before you retire, that might be a little bit different story. But outside of that, I would go Roth option uh, every day of the year. No, I like his idea, though. I like the fact that he's thinking about tax diversification. He understands the tax line. He's like, all right, I get a capital gains tax free over this period of time. If I sell this, the RMDs are going to kill me. So I think he's on track. He's a good saver. He's on point. You know, I think you just kind of look at it year by year. And if you want to switch and say, you know what, I'm not going to go into the 401k. I'm going to open up a brokerage account, put my 20 grand there. I mean, I think that's a good idea as well. It seems like he's a pretty good planner. He's he's on top of it. Right. So congrats, John. Dear Andy, Joe and Al. Hi. Thanks for the show. We are Jennifer, 43, and Zeke, 51. We live in New York State. We like Cerberus in coffee, assets, pensions, etc. Got an investment portfolio of 2.2 million, home worth 300. Zeke's pension, 30,000 starts in 2036 when Zeke is 65. Jennifer's pension, 25, starts at 2039. At age 60, no cola. Zeke's Social Security, 25,000 at age 62. And Jennifer's Social Security, 27, starting in 2041 at age 62. So there's a, uh, what, eight-year age discrepancy. Total right. gross income is 250. They want to spend around $100,000 a year. We have two kids who we hope will enter college in 2026 and 2028. Let's assume a financial worst case scenario, $80,000 per year per kid. Hopefully not. 80 grand. That's a lot, but it could be. I mean, there are colleges that cost that. Maybe they're going to Harvard. How about the University of Colorado? How about the uh, well, let's see. That was, uh, when was that? That was 10 years ago. And that was probably... All in room and board was probably 45. Oh, that was 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. That just seems like. Last I know, year right? About that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. They have three. Yeah. And by the way, I, I've grown my arm and my leg back. So I'm, <laughs> a, I, I'm on sound footing, as they say. <laughs> yeah. You look good, buddy. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we have $300,000 totally saved for college. All in 529s, except for uh, $50,000 in an UTMA account. Uh, we do not want the kids to take on excessive debt, so it's possible that a lot of our earnings would go to college during these years instead of funding our retirement accounts. It also might suck up some of our liquidity, okay? Hopes and dreams. 
Uh, we'd like to retire in 2032, age 53 and 61, to coincide with the projected end of college or earlier if we could comfortably do so. Questions. Are we on track for a 2032 retirement? General spitball on our situation would be great. Since Jennifer wants to retire well before 59 and a half, she will need money outside of retirement accounts to bridge the gap. But she is reluctant to build up too much because of these non-retirement investments will directly decrease our eligibility, if any, for college financial aid. How do people navigate this? Thanks very much in advance. You guys are terrific. All right. Zeke and Jennifer. Cool. Wow, this is very well organized, Joe. It is. This is one of the best emails that we have received ever. I, like the I can't believe it. Years of doing this crap, and, and plus the the headings are underlined, so we can easily refer back it, to them. Just <laughs> yeah, we can just go back and look and hopes and dreams. What are they spending? We got right. account balances. We got Social Security. We got fixed income. We got the whole nine yards. Yeah, we do. We got Subarus. We got coffee. We got. <laughs> I guess that's the only problem is that they don't drink something that Joe wants to drink too. Yeah, they got to have some cocktails. <laughs> if you're going to retire early, I suppose. Okay, yeah. I think they can. If I'm just doing simple math here, because they got a hundred thousand dollars in ten years, given a three percent inflation rate, I got my calculator. I'm guessing that's going to be like a hundred thirty thousand dollars. Yeah, I'm right. going to guess one forty. Okay, when Zeke turned sixty-two. So if I look at, they want to spend $100,000 a year. We got 10 years. I'm going to use a 3% inflation rate. So that's 135. Okay. Okay. Great. So they need $135,000 year one. Year two, they're going to need something less because Zeke's got a pension of 25,000. So they need 110,000 year two. Right. Year three, they need 110 year four. And then until Zeke has um, his social security, which is in 2036, okay? So let's just go, even at 130, let's say at a 3% distribution rate, that's four, they need 125,000, let's go 0.03, they need $4 million. You agree right. with that? Yeah, at a 3% distribution, yeah. Mm -hmm. They got 2.2, they got 10 years, that's going to probably double, even if they don't save another dime. Yeah, so the the rule of 72 says this. I'll just use 7%. I'll keep this super simple. So in 10 years at a 7% rate of return, without even adding any money, it's going to double. And if you're mostly stocks, that's a reasonable assumption. Not guaranteed, but it's a reasonable assumption. And 2.2 million becomes 4.4. Now, when you're adding to it, you've got a lot more cushion. So I would say it's uh, it's very, very, very likely it'll be over 4 million. I'll put it that way. Right. In 10 years, he's 61. You're going to have, let's say, $4 million, even though, let's say, he stops saving because he's got to fund the daughters of 80000 or the two kids of $80,000. He might have to dip into some of the savings. $4 million bucks at age 61. But here's the kicker is that there's so much fixed income coming down the pike, right? He's going to have a larger distribution rate when he's in his 60s and when Jennifer's in her 50s. But then at some point, Jennifer's going to have fixed income. Her pensions are going to kick in. Her Social Security is going to kick in, right? And then you're going to have double pensions and double Social Security. So that distribution rate is probably going to you know, continue to go down. So you don't necessarily need the four million. You need the four million to bridge the gap. But if I had a full, you know, financial planning software program in front of me, we could dip it in. And I would say that they're definitely on track. Hundred percent. Yeah, and and it's uh, 
because so the analysis we just went through is if you don't have any fixed income or social security, you need 4 million, right? Yeah. So but the fact that you have that, they have that it's uh, yeah, this looks really, really good. And yeah. even if, even if they have to dip into savings a little bit for the kids, uh, but they already have 300,000 saved for the kids. It's uh, a ton. It's a, it's a ton. I, uh, I would say Jennifer and Zeke, everything you've done is perfect. Including, including your question. Yes, email is perfect. Your saving strategy is perfect. You retire. And that's why you can, I mean, they can retire early. 61, yeah. 51. Just know that, you know, that money's got to last a long time. $100,000. You guys are making two fifty today. $100,000. Uh, when you're retired, you're going to do other things. They like Subarus and coffee. So they sound active. Yeah. Right? So they could live a long time too. So, you know, you just got to be careful of what you're spending and making sure that you have a, have a game plan in place. But so far, so good. Congrats, man. Thanks for the question. So many retirement planning strategies are for married couples like Jennifer and Zeke here. But what if you're single? Your retirement strategy is going to be a lot different. If you're building your financial future solo, join senior financial planner Allison Alley CFP tomorrow at 12 p.m. Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern for a free live webinar expressly for you. Allison will help you map out your journey, create a budget, manage debt, and strategize for retirement, whether you're a millennial, a Gen Xer, or a baby boomer. And any questions you've got on navigating retirement solo, Allison will be able to answer them for you live starting tomorrow at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app to go to the show notes and register for the webinar. Now, for more on retirement saving and pension options, let's revisit a spitball from way back in episode 377. Clay from Westerville, Ohio. Westerville. I don't know where that is. Is It's uh, one thing. It's in Ohio. I can tell you that. I just found the show and I've been binge watching. Wow. What are these people doing? Binge watching. (laughs) Have you ever been been binge watched our our show? No, I've never seen it. (laughs) Never, ever seen it. I've never seen the show. Yeah. I've listened to I've listened to a couple. Andy did a really good job, I don't know, a couple of years ago on the best of or the something. I listened, listened a couple to of years one. ago. He listened to one. Yeah. yeah. She did like a montage of something and she got asked it. Me to listen to it. Okay, listen to that. You did that. I, I did that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was on the was on the ride to Palm Springs. So I thought got well, us. Yeah, you might as well. And I, I yeah. I'm probably I'm probably about the same. I have heard our shows before, but not not that frequently. Yeah. Because I, I mean, mean, I mean, once through is enough, right? <laughs> it is. It's the same show over and over and over again. All right. So he's binge watching. He's got a little Dr. Pepper Zero just pounding away. The Dr. Pepper's just absorbing your money or wealth. Just can't get enough of it. He's got a 2008 Honda CRV with a double doodle roaming in the house. The double doodle. Ooh. Okay. 42. Wife's 40. Make about $135,000. The wife stays home with the kids. Uh, we have approximately $650,000 in my governmental 403B, all pre tax, and $350,000 in our Roths. Oh, man, at 42 years old, wife it's, staying it's, home with the kids? Guys, impressive. Killing the game. Very impressive. We've got a million bucks. Yeah. Our best case is retirement at 58 with $3.5 million, which we're on track for at a 6% rate of return. 
if we were to hit that number before 58, I could retire before that. A mortgage would be paid off and likely need about $75,000 in income. We currently save 25,000 or 25% of our income. I max out both Roths and just started contributing to the 457 Roth option. Uh, we do not pay into Social Security, so there will be no Social Security income. He's got a couple questions. One, should one maximize Roth 457 first instead of our Roth IRAs because of the additional flexibility it grants us to get us to 59 and a half and also help solve for the ACA credits in the future? I also have $100,000 in a retirement medical account, like an HSA after you retire, that will likely be about $200,000 at that time. So in theory, I could just pay for health insurance out of pocket, as well as drawing those funds in doing some Roth conversions of my 403B. So a couple of things. With the 457 plan, there's no 59 and a half. Everyone kind of gets confused on, you know, when can I take money out of my account? In a 401k, as long as you separate from serve, the age is 55. It's not 59 and a half. With IRAs, individual retirement accounts, it's 59 and a half. However, Roth IRAs are totally different than that as well because you have access to the contributions at any time. So if he's making $100,000 contributions you know, for the next several years, he always has access to that because it's first in, first out. The earnings or the growth of the overall Roth will need a season for five years or until he turns 59 and a half, whichever is longer. So should he stick with the Roth IRA or go with the 457? If I was sitting in clay shoes, drinking my little Dr. Pepper Zero with the little dopper doodle, um, I, I, I would go 457. I don't know. What about you, Big Al? Yeah, because uh, you can put a lot more in, right? Yeah, put a lot more in. You have a lot more flexibility. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, do that all day long. Your paycheck, it's easier. You don't have to, you know, make, um, take it out of your, you know, savings account. So I, I yeah. like that. Option. Yeah. And then there's ACA credits, which we should explain that Affordable Care Act credits. So this is to help you pay for your insurance when your income is, is low. And so what people tend to do is they try to keep their income low enough until they get to age 65, Medicare age, where they can then get credits and get help on paying for health insurance. And if you're able to draw money out of Roth IRAs, or you're able to draw money out of your savings, or maybe a non-qualified non-retirement account, and you don't have a lot of taxable gain, then that can work. Yeah, because then it's the, the income is virtually zero. Correct. Okay. Uh, number two here is that how do you guys look at pension options? The 403B can be completely or partially converted at 55 to a pension. Okay. How do you guys look at pension options? The 403B can be completely or partially converted at 55 to a pension as I choose the self-directed plan, not the guaranteed pension option when I started 20 years ago. I will have a COLA that matches CPI, but can't exceed 3%. Traditional view is that a 6% distribution to take it. And I like the idea of converting some of it to create an income floor conservative portion of assets similar to Social Security between 25 and 40 grand. But I also feel like I could take the money. I'd allocate the pension and create my own while controlling my taxes with our Roth IRAs and possibly converting some of those balances to Roth. Just curious how... One would spitball that. I am aware that I'll likely die first and want to keep things as simple as possible for my wife. Really appreciate it. Loyal listener now. Yes. Clay. <laughs> He's already thinking about death. The guy's 40. 
Yeah, 42. Is yeah. that something you think about these days? I think about it every day. <laughs> every day I drive into the office. I'm like, I just it, wish the semi would just take me out. It's like, I've had enough. I'm in my 40s. Good enough. <laughs> I killed it. Well, got married. Killed it. Yep. Month in. I'm ready. I got a great legacy. Just B- bucket, take, bucket list. Take, take me now. <laughs> got it. Uh, no, I don't really think I love life. I love my yeah. life. Yeah. I'm, I'm a happy go lucky guy. And um, no, but he's, he's responsible. The guy's got a million dollars at 40. Of course, he's thinking about his wife and estate planning and uh, getting things dialed in there. Right. Um, how do we look at, well, there's a lot of calculation that, that goes on in, in, in looking at, do you take the pension uh, or the annuity stream versus the lump sum? In some cases, it makes a lot of sense to take the lump sum and he's right on track because if he takes the lump sum, then he could create his own income from the overall portfolio. He could control his taxes. He can do conversions. He's already got a lot of money in Roth. He's doing the right things. He's going to have even more money in the Roth because we just told him to max out the 457 Roth. And so he's going to be you know, controlling his taxes quite a bit. If he takes the annuity, well, then that's a guaranteed income floor. He doesn't have social security. So then it's like, all right, well, at least I need some sort of floor of income. I'm going to have a lot less balance. And if I pass away, you know, that income could stop either at his life or his spouse's life. So it's, it, it really depends on a, what's the pension payment versus the lump sum. So there's a calculation there to really determine kind of what, you know, the, the internal rate of return that you're getting from the pension. Um, then it also deals with your risk tolerance. I mean, a lot of people like that floor. All right. So then take the floor because you're going to have a ton of, a ton of other assets as well. Right. So he, he's got to do a little bit more calculations here, but I think he's right on the right track of at least thinking about it. But yeah, I, I would, if he doesn't have social security, I would probably take the pension. Yeah. I, I would probably take the pension too. And, and the reason is because 6% is a decent payout. And it's got cost of living increases. A lot of times with pensions, maybe they start around 8%, but there's no cost of living increase. So by the time you get 10, 20 years in, it's a, it's a lot lower payment in terms of purchasing power. It's the same payment, but it, it, it will buy you a lot less because of inflation. So, so I kind of like that too. Plus the fact that he's got, they have so many other assets to, you know, to utilize for other purposes, particularly they're thinking three and a half million. Yeah, I think I would take that. But I think that's how I think about it. It's just like you said, Joe, is you do the calculations, you see what's going to be better. But in this case, I would probably lean towards the pension based upon what I see. Right. Well, uh, it, let's say if he doesn't take the pension and then you look at his income needs, what is the, the burn rate? What's the distribution rate is what he really needs to figure out. So he wants to spend $75,000 today, forecast that out with a three and a half, four 4% inflation rate to see what that number is. And if he takes the pension, let's say that's $90,000 of, of income need, and he's got $50,000 coming in from pension, right? All right. So now he's short 40. He's got $4 million. That's a 1% burn rate. Okay. That, that, that's pretty healthy. That's right. Or you take the lump sum and you do the same number. Maybe it's a two and a half percent distribution rate. Well, that's still pretty healthy. But if you're running into four or 5% burn rate um, on that money, then it's like, okay, well, probably the pension might make a little bit more sense because you're going to have to take on more risk in that overall portfolio. And he wants to retire early and he's probably going to have super longevity just because the, the Dr. Pepper zeros. <laughs> Instead of beer or, or, or harder. Cocktails, yes. Yeah. Well, I actually brought up a good point. So health does come into this. So if you think you... And your spouse, if you get the survivor benefit, have impaired life expectancy, and you've got kids, 
you know, maybe you do want the lump sum so you can maximize that for the kids. So there, there's a lot to consider really. Cool. Thanks for the question. Thanks for being a loyal listener. Welcome to the family, Clay. Um, you're one of four. A lot of pension questions here today. Uh, yeah. Stephen, he, he writes in, he goes, Hey, I enjoy your money, your wealth podcast. One comment I'd like to discuss about when to take a lump sum or the pension too often. Shouldn't that be like T O O? Yes, it should. Okay. Thank you. Well, look at you and grammar. I am so <laughs> the show has not only helped my reading, but my grammar. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, too often the question as well as the question about when to take social security is addressed as about which will give you the best return in dollars. I think both also have an insurance quality. Maybe I'm too cautious, but I figure the biggest risks are one, outliving my savings. Number two, making a big mistake and losing my savings. Uh, or number three, being subject to fraud, a stranger or family or friend that loses my money. Havoc, havoc a pension, larger social security payment and or annuities can provide a protection against all these risks. Maybe the cost is potentially a smaller legacy, but the trade-off is my kids won't have to take care of me financially. All right. Yeah, I sure. I agree with that. Yeah, there are definitely some non, non-financial considerations. And I'll add a fourth one. And that is, um, Joe, some people just, when they have money, they spend it. <laughs> and if that's you, don't don't take the lump sum. Just get your monthly check and call that good. So you're not tempted to dip in and get that new pool and get that new Tesla and whatever else you might be thinking about. That sounds like you're describing yourself, Al. I have no pool, but I do have a new Tesla. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. All right. Let's get out of here. Thanks all for uh, your questions, listening. Go to yourmoneyyourwealth.com. You know the drill. Give uh, um, some questions. We'll answer them right here. We'll see you next week. Show's called Your Money Your Wealth. In the derails, we've got one-star ratings without reviews. Joe's feeling his age, and Al's my tie brain, so stick around. Help new listeners find YMYW by leaving your honest reviews and ratings for Your Money, Your Wealth in Apple Podcasts and any other podcast app that accepts them, even if they're only one star. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257 and schedule a free financial assessment in person at one of our seven offices around the country or online at a date and time convenient for you no matter where you are. Chances are one of the experienced financial professionals on Joe and Big Al's team at Pure Financial will be able to identify strategies to help you create a more successful retirement. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. Yeah, we got another one star rating. Appreciate that. Oh, we did. Okay. What was the problem? But they didn't leave a review. They just, it was a stealth, you know, just leave a one-star oh, rating okay. with no comment. So. I wish they would leave comments. Yeah, then, then, it's, then it's more helpful. Like, we talk in circles. Uh, yes, we, we know. <laughs> you know, I'm feeling older, Alan. Are you really? Yeah. You know. did mention the fact that you're only a couple of years away from 50, and I thought, holy cow, he's actually admitting that on the air. Now 48. I feel like I'm 55. 
I think I'm going to retire here soon. <laughs> so I, I heard um, Robert De Niro, age 79, has just had his seventh child. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I had not heard that. Yeah, so I don't feel as bad being 45 <laughs> and having a two-year-old. <laughs> oh, you're fine, brother. You're going to... You're, you'll do just fine. Yeah, I just I, I keep doing the math, and I'm like, man, I'm gonna be like seventy, and he's yeah. gonna be so young. Yeah, you'll don't torture yourself. Don't even do that math. And just think of my friend who had second wife, second family, had a daughter. He was age fifty-seven when she was born. Did his, his first wife, wife know about the second wife and the second family? <laughs> oh, yeah. One of those no, deals? No, no, that was not long <laughs> after. But nevertheless, my friend used to take their daughter to school because his wife, younger wife, was still working. And he would get the question, oh, what a, what a beautiful granddaughter. So if that ever happens to you, then I don't think it will, though. I think you're still young enough. Joe, so, I think you're yeah. going to have to start going vegan and doing all the stuff that Al's doing so that you can keep up with your kid. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. That's kind of what I figured you were going to say. Yeah. I, I mean, I work out five days a week. Try to keep in shape. No, you do. You know, I, I don't think I look in my mid to late 40s. Yeah, but you just said you feel old. Oh. How you look versus how you feel is a little different. Keep doing the math in my head. <laughs> and then, so... <laughs> So you do have to mentally prepare for when somebody says that's a cute grandkid you've got. I know, and then I'm going to kick his ass. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you should. I, I'm guessing that's not going to happen to you because you were quite a bit younger than my friend. By Let's see if I do the math about 12 years younger. <laughs> it depends how you age over the next few years. I'll put it that way. Well, yeah, that's why I'm thinking. I Maybe I do do the green shakes, a little bit of the green shakes. You know what? You used to do those. Yeah. The, you used to do the green juice. Yeah, I know. Got to get back to it. Yeah, yeah, right. All right. Well, have fun in Hawaii. Thank you. Will do. What, are you there for a few weeks? A couple. All right. So, so what do you think? Did I have my tie or not? No, I don't think you did. That's pretty sharp today, wasn't I? Yeah, you were. You were really <laughs> sharp. You're quick. You're Johnny on the spot. Well, hopefully next time you will. So make it yeah, yeah. more enjoyable. Have, have some more fun, right? Yeah. I'll do that if you bring your drink of choice in too. Okay. Which I know, I, I know what that is. Sun kissed. <laughs> <laughs>